the Woodside Church podcast. Hope we've had some sense of the presence of God this morning. Yes. Yeah. And uh, really, I'd be very happy if we understand more of, of how God meets with us and if we have hunger for more of his presence. Because, you know, basically this message could be subtitled, There is More. Okay, and that's it. I want us to be hungry for more. I don't like church as usual. You know, it doesn't work without God there. And, and you know, it, we, we just need more and more of him. You, you, there are times in the Bible where people didn't notice that Jesus was missing. You know, it's like Mary and Joseph coming back from the temple. Um, they didn't notice. They were walking for several days. They hadn't noticed that Jesus was missing because they were busy. And... Uh, even worse was Samson when he, he's, he's told people that he's, you know, if they cut my hair off, I won't have any strength anymore. And they cut his hair off, and he wakes up, and he still thinks he's got the strength. He still thinks God's with him. But actually, God, God's out the door. Yeah. You know, and we need God. We really, you know, we can't just do it. And, you know, worship without God, it's dead. Hallelujah. There's a sense of God's presence today. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I want to look into that much more. Um, you know, in, in Genesis, we were made to walk with God. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the garden, God's there, we're there, we're having a wonderful time, we're full. Mm. Then man rebels, he's thrown out the garden, but God also retreats. From then on in, it seems like he's, he's mainly up there, and he makes occasional forays. But, you know, we're in a different world then. We're in a wilderness. We're in a world where you, know, where you have to work hard and you don't get much for it, and where there's futility. There are pleasures as well, but there, there's an emptiness. Our hearts long for the presence of God. And in the next book, in Exodus, to some degree, God's back, you know, spectacularly back. Not to all of humanity, but you know, with fire and cloud and dramatic effects and trumpets and Lord knows what, God's back. Because he wants to live among his people. So let's see what happens there. The, the people, despite that, have been disobedient with a golden calf. And then what do we have next? The Lord said to Moses, oh, sorry, I just jump in one thing to say. The whole point of Exodus isn't just about leaving Egypt. I, I love The Prince of Egypt, brilliant film, lovely. But it stops before the real action happens. And the real action is that God wants to live among his people. Yeah? That's what he wants to do, and that's what's happening out in the desert. That can be our comfort too. For the children of Israel, throughout the desert journey, God was with them. He was there. There was a pillar of fire. There was smoke. He was in the middle. That was their comfort. For us too, the presence of God in this present wilderness should be our comfort. And there can be more of it, much more of it than we, than we know. Chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised you on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. That's the one. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Good news? Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? But I will not go with you, because you're a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, 
They began to mourn, and nobody put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You're a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments. I'll decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments in Mount Horeb. So what we would think of as success, you know, going into the land, milk and honey, you know, I don't know, detached houses for all, olive trees sitting under them, whatever, wasn't success. Not even for these disobedient Israelites because they had a taste of the presence of God. And God was saying, because you've been so bad, you know, actually you and me have to part company because it's going to be dangerous. And the people are distressed by that. If God's not in the picture, it's not a good story, however much material that there is there. But it's not the end of the story. So Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood in the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered. And Moses went in, and the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of theirs. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. There's more. You know, there's more to... to, Some people just bow in the entrance of their tents, but there's more to that than you you can have. Moses spoke to God face to face. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, did not leave the tent. Hopefully, we'll visit him later. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you haven't let me know who you're going to send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I can know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation's your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That's a good takeaway verse. If you have the presence of God, he can give us rest. Um, But this is a change to what he said earlier. Moses is pleaded with God, and God says, now I'm going to go with you. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Notice that God's people are not distinguished by the fact that they don't drink and smoke or that they wear longer trousers or that they're cleaner or that they, they do that. All of that sort of stuff, that isn't it. It isn't that they kept the Sabbath. These were Jewish people. It wasn't that they kept the Sabbath. It wasn't that they didn't eat pork. It was that God went with them. It was the presence of God. If not, there ain't nothing. It's, 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 it's end of story. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. He's already meeting with God in a tent, but he's not had enough. You know, he's not had enough. There is more. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I have mercy on whom I have mercy and compassion on whom I have compassion. I have to finish it. You cannot see my face, for no one may see my face and live. God's quite frightening, but he still wants more of God. It's it's that that's going to fill his heart and give give him all that he needs in this wilderness journey. Trouble with Exodus is it's full of pillars of fire and smoke 
and earthquakes and all kinds of stuff. And you sort of say, I mean, later, Moses, when he comes down from the mountain, his face is glowing with the presence of God. So I want to talk about the presence of God, but I want to think about um, what can we experience? Is is it our lack of faith that stops our face glowing when we walk out the door down Dover Crescent? Uh, is, is that what's supposed to happen? Um, so what is? You know, what, can, what can we now know of the presence of God? Or is that all just you know, exodus over finito? No, there, there is more. The story didn't finish there. Actually, the greatest expression of God's presence on the earth was when God became a man, became a human being, But that was much more discreet. You know, how silently, how silently. You know, it happened at night time and only the people who knew knew. Um, But that was the most powerful thing, the the, the infinite becoming a human being. That's the biggest thing that's ever happened in terms of God's presence. It said God God became a human being and tented among us, lived among us. Jesus was sort of like a... God living in a tent. It's his pointing back to this Exodus story here. He lived among us. And we've seen here, even in this passage, that God is quite frightening. And there's a sense of, you know, you're, you're evil and I'm not. And keep your distance. And at the same time, we want to come through the open door. We want to come close. Jesus bridged that gap in his dying for us and in his rising again, in his paying a debt for our evil. Notice, actually, all of the pyrotechnics of Exodus, all of the, 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 the flashing lights and the, and the lightning, wasn't terribly effective. You know, I mean, they worshipped the calf in full view of the cloud upon the mountain. And this goes on. They do their di- disobedience flatly in front of the presence of God. But it's out there, and it's not in here, and it's not touching them in here. But when Jesus comes, he can do that. He can touch us inside. And then he sends his spirit onto the people. So it's a more intimate thing. It's not a spectacular thing. But it's a very real thing. And actually the book of Hebrews says that um, compares continually between Moses and Jesus and Exodus and the New Testament. And it's always the same. That what we have now is more real, more glorious, but less visible. Okay. So... Our faces won't glow like that, but as we look into the the gospel of Jesus, they will reflect that light. And most of the time, God comes to other people through people. So when I wasn't a Christian, and I met a guy who was a Christian, and we were talking, there was also a sense of something peaceful about his room and himself. And I couldn't have put words to it, but I like being there. You know, I, I was sensing, I was drawn. And sometimes you don't feel that God's with you at all as you go out in, in service. Uh, if it's scary service, you probably feel the opposite. You feel frightened or whatever. But many, it's not often that we regret having gone. And afterwards you find that, you know, actually God was there. And the other person maybe felt that God was there, even if you didn't. I, I know with my wonderful wife there she met a lady who said years later said from the day I knew you I knew I was going to become a Christian you know and and this was a woman who was of another religion all all burkered up you might say um so so you know God God does that he meets people through people um we bring the presence of God on the earth that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to fill the the fill the world with his glory 
Okay, so what other ways can we experience, or what, what ways can we experience God in, in, in our wilderness? Sometimes we're surprised by God at our direst and darkest moments. So I, I love the story of Jacob. He's fleeing his family. His, his brother wants to kill him. He's only got what he can carry on his back. He puts his head on a stone. That's the best bed he can find, and he sleeps. And while he's sleeping, there's a dream. He has a dream, and God says, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to bring you back to this land, and so on. The interesting thing is he wakes up, nothing has changed. But God has met him at his direst, lowest moment. And Jacob looks around and says, surely God was here, and I didn't even realize it. And that can happen, and it's happened in my life sometimes. I remember one time when I had my head full of confusing thoughts. I was away from home. Uh, full of unbelief and stuff and I, I got onto the platform of a railway station going back to London and the train was delayed <laughs> sure some can sympathise with that and there was a man and he had a cross on his lapel I didn't know actually he was a French Catholic priest as it happened and we got talking and God met with me through him he spoke to me it's a sense that, that you know you know, these moments, as I say, often it's through a person. But in, for Jacob, it was a dream. The next time, it was an angel who wrestled with him. And again, the circumstances didn't change, but he changed, and he was comforted. And, you know, if, if there's anyone here or not here, Lord God, we pray, Father God, for those of us in our community, Lord Father, who are in, in that situation of direness, Lord God, that please, God, come. Father God, I thank you. J- Jacob's name changed, his future changed because you came. And so we pray for that. We pray that you might come. You might come to people in those dire situations of need, Lord God. I pray. Amen. 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 And there are things that we can do as well. We can, uh, we can, God is everywhere. I'm not particularly interested in that point, actually, in this message. It's more about when he's, when he's there and we feel it. But because he is there, we are entitled to feel God when we walk through, when we walk through the woods. Yeah. And why not do that once more often? Why stick myself in a hole of a room and get depressed when he's given me all this creation I can walk through? You know, he's, he's given us means. And, and some of those are very natural means that he's handed to us. There are also things that we do, like, for example, reading this is not always a lively experience, but it can be. It can be, your heart can burn. And especially if, if someone's bringing the message. I mean, the, the best compliment anyone could give me was, surely our hearts burn. I mean, this is what happened when Jesus did it, when Jesus did it with, with the disciples. They said, our hearts burned when he heard your word. And I, I know, I, I used to go to a church, a good old Baptist church, straight-laced, whatever. You know, none of that happy, clappy stuff in the, in the, in the beginning. But we met with God in the word. You know, you, 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 you did. You did, and you were a changed person because of it. And Lord, you know, again, there's more. You know, if, if you've not got excited about the Bible, let get get into something, and, and you know, find there, there must be, you know, find a preacher that excites you, that preaches the Bible that's true, or or get into the uh, God's great story or something because it, it, your heart can burn with it. Um, then in worship and prayer, likewise, it's like all the things we do. It's not always wonderful, but it can be. And it's no coincidence that the disciples were praying when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, or at least they were in a season of prayer. They were giving themselves, they were given time to prayer, and lo and behold, the Holy Spirit comes. And that's not the last time he's done that. History records. 
you know, prayer meetings, it's just like everything, there can be more in a prayer meeting. You know, some prayer meetings have changed history. You know, and why not? I mean, there was, a, there was one in the 1920s in America, in Chicago, they were praying, and God spoke to, spoke, presumably somebody like Ruthie got up and said a word, which was called Mossy Land. And they had a vague idea that Mossy Land was somewhere in Africa, and they dispatched two of the people at the prayer meeting. They bought them a boat ticket, and off you go. And they went to Africa. And they landed at Dakar in the far west and got on donkeys and rode east, as far as I understand. Well, I've been to Mossyland. It's now called Burkina Faso. I've slept in the church where, which, which they were given by the king of Mossyland. And the denomination they founded now numbers over a million. You know... It can happen in a prayer meeting. The world can be changed in a prayer meeting. So, you know, let's lift our sights. You know, hunger for the presence of God. There's so much to play for. A friend of mine in Bishop Stortford, it doesn't have to happen in Chicago or somewhere in, or in Africa. Bishop Stortford, um, he was, he was uh, the, young, the youth there in the 80s, mighty outpouring upon the youth when they were at that time. And, you know, the sort of thing that when they talk about it afterwards, their eyes well up and they cry. Um, we had a wonderful home group meeting a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this, the, the, this, the worship just took off. So, sorry for some people who got a bit, it was a bit hot in there. But the, it was like a conga going around the living room and it was crazy. Um, it was, you know, there can be more. Your home group can be more. You know, it, it, it's lift up your sights. Sometimes the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. In Mark 5, 17, it says Jesus was there. You'd have thought that was enough. But actually, it says the power of the Lord was there to heal the sick. Jesus himself was doing what the Father's doing, sensitive to the Spirit. The Lord is there to heal the sick. It's happened in this church. A couple of years ago, somebody stood up and said, it's you know, sort of like another open-door prophecy, time to pray for healing. And, you know, if you've got something, just pray for it. I had a little wart underneath my lip here. And sorry it wasn't a broken leg or something, but a little wart there. And I, I, I've had it for years. I've had it for years. And just, you know, I don't know what that is. So I prayed for it. Yeah, it did grow. The next morning it was gone. You know, hallelujah. It can happen in Woodside. And it can be more than a wart. <laughs> it has happened in Bedford. It has happened in Bedford. Lovely little book. Seven Pentecostal Pioneers. These are your granddaddies. It's 100 years ago, 1926, in Bedford. The, red, the preacher was actually called Stephen Jeffries, a Welshman, but there's another guy here had seen it. So it says, the Reverend J.W. Adams spent a week in Bedford during the campaign at the Corn Exchange, which was packed with congregations of 1,500 people. He described the healing of a cripple one man, aged 36, born with diminutive, twisted legs who'd never walked, was carried from his bath chair onto the platform. After they laid on hands, he scrambled for a minute on all fours and then walked, not properly, but still walked, backwards and forwards and up and down the rather steep, step, steep steps by himself. Next day, his legs were straighter and stronger, and the next day, better still. That was Bedford. If that isn't close enough to home, I live in the village of Great Barford. Now, what chance do you think in a book of that size? You know, it's going to be full of Stevington and Barford and Willington and all these places, isn't it? Ooh. So what they say next? 
Mr. Adams also described how one morning he'd gone with Stephen to pray for a man some miles away at Great Barford. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> we went to the cottage and found the man bent, stiff and deaf, huddled on a chair. We prayed and laid hands on him. After a few minutes, the man was jumping and walking in his garden, which he'd not been able to do for 20 years. Adam said finally he walked briskly to the farthest tree and ran back almost like a boy. Whoa. Hallelujah. Lord, Lord, let there be... Lord, could it happen here? Could it happen here? Jeffries is dead. Billy Graham's dead. Reinhard Bonker's dead. And Terry Virgo's getting quite old. <laughs> so, the person I'm interested in is Joshua in this story, because Moses is getting quite old too. Joshua is described by as young. He's only in comparison. I think the youth have gone out. That's fine, because Joshua was at least in his 30s. He's described as the young assistant. But he's, he's, not, a, he's not an intern twiddling his thumbs with nothing better to do. He's the commander-in-chief of the army, as it happens. He could be recruiting people. He could be sharpening swords. He could be, he could be doing a million things. But after Moses has presumably had his lengthy time in the tent of meeting, Joshua stays there. Joshua has a hunger for the presence of God. Actually, I say there's three things, and then we'll round up. There's three things about Joshua that are amazing. And the first one is his faithfulness to, uh, his faithfulness to Moses. Just, just actually, just before that, Joshua, the first time we meet him, he's a commander of the army. He's a commander-in-chief. He's leading the troops into battle. First time we meet him, he's a born leader. You know, never, not once in the Bible does anybody raise their finger against Joshua. Moses, they're criticizing him all the time, but Joshua, he was, he was a natural. But what he wasn't a natural is, and what no one is a natural at, was the stuff that Moses was doing up the mountain the same time they were fighting, which is praying. And every time Moses raised his hand, they won. And every time he lowered, they lost. Maybe, maybe Joshua realized from that that actually sharpening the swords isn't the first thing. And Joshua learns in the same way that Moses learns to be a man of God. And so... He's faithful to Moses. I noticed these Stephen Jeffries and these Terry Virgos, they weren't great innovators when it comes to biblical truth. They're actually a bit hard line. Actually, a little bit more hard line than me. A little bit less nuanced. A little bit less modern. But I noticed it didn't seem to upset God. No. You know, And Joshua didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. He was faithful to Moses. He was faithful to the scriptures. And he had his own personal hunger. He had his own, his own time in the tent. So that's how we can see what happened then come and happen now. So we've seen that God wants to be with us. And we've seen that he blesses us with his presence throughout our journey in the wilderness. And while that's something that he does, he's also looking for our hunger. And he blesses what we prepare for him. We heard last week about people doing the ordinary making the tent and so on. We're going to hear about that tent. That's how, how Exodus ends. It's, we've had this little tent, but now God tells them to make a big tent because he doesn't want to live outside the camp. He wants to live bang in the middle of the camp. And involved in that, it's an awful lot of practical work. Just like, you know, this didn't happen 
without an awful lot of practical work, which is all part of preparing for revival and of inviting the presence of God. So what happened when they'd done all of that, when they got it all ready? Then the cloud, they got the tent ready, and it says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tent, and Moses couldn't enter because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled it. God came. There was more. And, he st- and God stayed with them wherever they went in the wilderness. And we've heard now how God is with us, felt and unfelt. He's there with us in the ordinary and the extraordinary. We've heard about the hunger of people like Moses and Joshua for more. We've seen that there are people, there has been more. There have been revivals where this sort of sense of the presence of God has gone national. So one more story, I love it. Um, Welsh Revival, 1905. There was a guy from England going there to explore, to see what was happening in, in Wales. And he's on a train at night, and it's black, and he can't see the, what the platforms, the stations are. There's no electricity, presumably. And he asks the conductor of the train, how will I know when I've got to, whether it's Maesteg or Llangeneth or wherever it was, how will I know? And the conductor said, don't worry, you'll feel it. <laughs> you know, just the sense, the sense of God can go out there and people can feel and, and know that he's real. Um, it's happened in many other times and places in the world. So can we stand up and ask for more? Is that something you'd like? Is that something we'd want? You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com. Thank you.